The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Good morning, afternoon, evening, or whenever it might be in your part of the world. I hope you're having a lovely, crunchy, creamy, delightful day here on Main Street Vegan. Things are looking good. I'm just back from Los Angeles, and I love it. I have decided that I am promiscuous about locales. I keep falling in love with places. I really love my old hometown of Kansas City where the studio is for this show to which you're listening now. I adore my adopted hometown of New York City, from whence I am talking to you. I am newly in love with Los Angeles. We were out there talking about our in-pre-production feature film, Miss Liberty, about a cow who escapes from a slaughterhouse. You can read about that if you go to MainStreetVegan.net and click on the tag that's tab that says Miss Liberty. And today we're going to be speaking with someone. Mm, she comes from the place on earth that I am more in love with than any of those other places, and that is London, England, United Kingdom. I moved there on my 18th birthday because I just knew I had to be there, and one of the delightful surprises that happened after I did that rather remarkable thing way back when was wandering into my very first yoga class. And the teacher was this woman to whom I'm about to introduce you. Her name is Stella Churfus. She was one of the people who completely changed my life and any good that I've done in this world. A whole big chunk of it goes to her. I found Stella last fall when I was in England. Those of you who listen regularly remember that and how excited I was about it. Stella is now age 90. You would never know it. Wait till you hear her gorgeous, strong, booming voice. And she still teaches yoga. Welcome, Stella, to the Main Street Vegan Show. Hello. What a pleasure. This is just, this is really, really a joy for me. I am so thrilled that you came into my life, that you shared yoga with me, and that you've been doing it low these many years with hundreds and thousands of other people. Well, it's been a way of life. I mean, you begin and you just step on, carry on, and I don't intend stopping. A very good plan. So give us a little bit of history, Stella. How did you get into yoga back before it was the big deal that it is now? Oh, that was many, many years ago. It was exactly about 1949, 50. And um, 
I met Sir Paul Dukes. Now, he was an Englishman, and he, the first lesson, he said, well, none of this Sanskrit talk because nobody will understand it. You are not an Oriental, you're an Occidental. And that impressed me no end. And after about three or four lessons, he approached me and he said, would you like me to train you basically in remedial yoga? And I was quite stunned. And I said, yes, but do you think I'd be good enough? And he said, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a wonderful yogini to be a very good teacher. And that's exactly what I am. I'm a very good teacher, but I can't tie myself up in all the knots, or I didn't. Well, you are Not a then. very good teacher. I, I can say that. So when you started way back in 1949 or 1950, who knew about yoga? I mean, was it well, very, very it. esoteric? Well, yes. I mean, people thought, you know, it was yoga. Do you have it with sugar or do you have it plain? <laughs> um, they didn't know very much. And all they knew that you'd have to starve yourself and you sit in the doti and in the lotus position and um, examine your navel. I mean, it was completely weird. But there yes. were some people who were a little further advanced and you saw between the lines and read about it and you know they all sorts of legends how yoga started and slowly and surely it it took on but of course it became one of these things that became out of all proportion and it still is well i'm interested in how you view yoga nowadays because i had had thoughts before we reconnected last september that sometimes the yoga that i see now is very different from the yoga that i remember learning about early on when there was just yoga now there are about 150 kinds and it, it seems very complex how do you view all of that well, I, I really don't think it's advanced particularly in that way. I think it's become extremely commercial. I think it's all a question of having yoga gear. When all you need is really comfortable, tatty clothes. You don't need a mat. You can have a blanket. And um, I just think that the image is wrong because it's sort of very bronzed, healthy, blonde, um, young women and men with with six packs and, and long legs and uh, turning themselves into sorts, all sorts of contortions. And it isn't. It's just for ordinary people with lumps and bumps and short and fat and they can't do this and they can't do that, but they can do everything actually because there's no such thing as advanced yoga. You just do what you can. You start and if your hands touch the floor, then you're pretty advanced. If they don't, it doesn't matter. They will. Eventually. I, I love that attitude. These days, I'm usually taking yoga at, at my gym, and it's here in New York City, and a lot of people go who are very pretty, <laughs> and some of them exactly. have recognizable faces. And I can tell, I remember you always used to say, keep your eyes closed. Don't look at the person on either side of you. This is really about you. But it's very well, tempting. Well, it is, but it's competitive, and this is, is not supposed to be competitive. In any case, yoga was always one-to-one, pupil and teacher, and sometimes one didn't talk, but you still got the feel of it. And it, it's basically, it's Hatha yoga. That is what we in the West need. That is what, what we're about. Yes. And it's a question and it's a question it's breathing which is terribly important because it's the first thing you take in as you come into the world and it's the last thing you relinquish and we take no notice of it. I keep on having people from other classes and they've never been taught any breathing. They just tie themselves up in knots and don't know how to do proper yoga breathing. I remember so breathing. My... Mm, go on. I was just going to say, I remember my first class with you and precisely how you taught us to breathe and the sound to listen for. I do that in every yoga class. Well, there you are. And you wouldn't, you'll never forget it. No. That is one thing nobody has ever forgotten. That's so and lovely. And you know, it's breathing, it's postures. I don't call them exercises. And it's relaxation, which 
eventually turns into proper meditation. That's all it is. It's a three-point thing. And the postures, I really don't vary them very much, if you remember, because nobody's going to remember them. They're sort of 88 basic things and 88,000 varieties. I like the 88 basic. You don't need more than 10 or 12. That's true, because when I said that 88, I thought, you liar, you can't do 88. But we don't need that many. No, but you see, everybody's got variations. And I was was always told, you don't touch people, tell them, but don't go and put their feet in one direction and their toes somewhere else and their hands somewhere else. Just, it's slow, it's calm. It shouldn't be such an effort. It's supposed to be a a contrast to you every day. Yes. Easy, relaxed position. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So you teach classes now for seniors. How does that differ from standard Hatha yoga? Well, it's still Hatha yoga. I have adapted every single posture to sitting and standing. I don't do any floor work. I can do the cobra standing. I can do the spinal twist in the sitting position. I can do all that. And in any case, you know, when people get older, there's some things they can't do and they don't have to. But uh, there isn't a part of you that isn't worked from the fingertips to the toes to every muscle. It's a proper workout, but it's, it's not flailing around on the floor. So do you attribute your longevity and your good health to the way you've lived your life? Yes, and a, and a good gene pool. Well, I think a lot of people take their good gene pool and sell it to McDonald's. <laughs> You're quite right. I have never, ever had one. Do you I know I haven't either? Because I stopped really? eating Really? I thought of putting it down on my bucket list. Shall I have a McDonald's? And then I decided against it. Oh, there, there, there are plenty of great things for the bucket list. Far more pleasant <laughs> than that. So, Stella, how, that, would, that's what how would you describe a yogic lifestyle? Oh, I would describe it as very normal. I don't like it when people speak about it all the time and only mix with other yogis and become sort of competitive in being healthier and, and uh, you know, and, and it's sort of one-upmanship, I find, with a lot of them. They get pretty boring. I think a yogic lifestyle is pretty normal. Just, you know, watch, enjoy things. And, of course, I've always had this, you remember, in the meditation, it's the present that counts. You know, the past is the past. We've done it. The future is unknown. You can plan, but don't be disappointed if it doesn't work out. But the present is what you have, and that's how I live. I always have, day by day. You you can choose, Victoria. You really have a choice. Either you choose happiness or misery. We have a choice. That's pretty simple. But not so easy. (laughs) No, but it is simple. And this is what I mean. It's the simplicity. Oh, bless you. It's complicated. And we are, you know, we are Occidentals. We're not Orientals. We have a totally different philosophy. And you can't graft one onto the other. So very quickly here in our last minute and a half, what is your spiritual life? My spiritual life is a very inner life. It's I meditate. I do it very automatically now. I can. It's a sort of a cleansing process. Um, and I believe I believe in my own different ways of saying that it's like the spokes of a fan, and the end result is the closeness. And I think that is that. Well, for me, that's pretty good. It it covers everything. But that means that I'm interested in everything. It's just enjoying life. Oh, that's so beautiful. So, Stella, for anyone listening who is in London and could partake of one of your wonderful classes, where would they go to do that? 
Well, there's the Kailash Centre, which I think you contacted in St. John's Wood. It's the Buddhist Centre of Oriental Medicine, and I have a room there, and I'm there on Wednesdays at 10.30, but of course they can phone and find out. Okay, well, I'm absolutely jealous of anyone who is able to do that and will show up in your class next Wednesday. But hopefully I'll get to see you in the fall if those lovely people from the VegFest UK invite me back. I hope they do. Or uh, I'll, I'll try and in, do some, use some transcendental meditation. Love it. I love <laughs> astral, it. And, and astral traveling. Beautiful. Stella, thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart, both for being part of the show today and for all you gave me so long ago that has given me a life beyond what I could ever have imagined. Thank you. Victoria, I'll tell you, this is the best thing that could have happened. It's worth everything now. It's worth all my 60-odd years of teaching. And thank you. You're welcome. The connection is so amazing. God bless Isn't you, Stella. Isn't technology wonderful? It is. It is quite, quite fine. Yes, you see. And um, everybody else, please stay with us through these messages, and we'll be back with the inimitable. programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am so excited to be bringing back by popular demand Dr. Neil Barnard. And if you would like to get in on the conversation, just give us a call, 888 558 
Dr. Bernard is the founder and president of Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine in Washington, D.C., an absolutely stupendous group because they cover the entire vegan spectrum. They're working on helping people be healthier, and they're also working to end the way we use animals in laboratories for medical training and other things. So it's that beautiful, beautiful balance of compassion on all levels and good health for those who practice it. Dr. Barnard is the author of just tons and tons of books, including Power Foods for Your Brain, the New York Times bestseller, 21-Day Weight Loss Kickstart, Dr. Neil Barnard's program for reversing diabetes. You can just check him out at pcrm.org and find out about the many, many wonderful things that he has done and continues to do. Welcome, Dr. Neil Barnard. Well, thank you, Victoria. It's great to be talking with you again. Oh, it's, it's always such a pleasure to talk with you. I think I told you that you were our 2014 most listened to show. And we had some really great people and some really well listened to shows, but um, you won the prize. So congratulations. <laughs> well, that's lovely. Well, thank you for that. Well, I, I think people want to know what you know. And I think a lot of us who are activists in this field want to know how to express it the way you do. I don't know if it's because you're from the Midwest, but you just have this lovely, humble way about you, and you can just be as brilliant as all get out and sound like one of the folks. So I think we all like that. Oh, okay. so, well, I have to say my work, my work is actually rather easy, I have to say, because uh, when we're talking about plant-based diets and the benefit of them, they kind of, they sort of sell themselves. You know, when you see people who adopt a healthier diet and their all their numbers get better and the way they feel is better and their energy is better, it kind of sells itself. It does indeed. I have to tell you a little joke. You know, we all hear about these plant-based diets nowadays. Somebody wrote something that the editor of, of my new book read, and he talked about the benefits of eating plant food. And she wrote back to me and said, is that like miracle Grow?" <laughs> So I thought it was funny. It is like miracle grow, exactly. Well, it can be a miracle. I'll tell you. Just just last night, I got a um, a uh, link to a show that occurred in Detroit on the the Fox Network in Detroit, and it was a football star at the University of Michigan, and he was um, one of the people on the football line, so one of the heavier guys, and he was up at three hundred plus pounds. And he said that when he retired from football, he didn't retire from eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was continuing to gain weight, and he developed diabetes. And the, the story that, that he wanted to tell was he, was he was saying he was from Mexico, and he knew the statistics that Hispanics tend to get a lot of diabetes. And everybody in his family who was his age or older already had diabetes, and he thought, well, here it is. Uh, this is what I'm going to get. And he talked with his doctor, and the doctor said, you will never get off your insulin injections. Well, anyway, he saw the movie Forks Over Knives, which has influenced so many people and inspired so many people. And for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, you should see it because it talks about how a plant-based diet can affect health. And then he happened to pick up a copy of the book that I wrote about diabetes, which talks about reversing it. And so what did he do? He, He didn't dramatically increase his exercise and he didn't throw out carbs or any of these kind of fad things people do. He adopted a plant-based diet. And as time went on, he lost weight and lost weight and lost weight. His numbers got better and better. And in the TV show, the reason they wanted to bring him on was apparently it's been three years now. No medication at all, perfectly normal, perfectly healthy. And you look at him and he just a picture of tremendous health. So, so anyway, the reason I'm telling you this is it, it, um, when people ad- adopt this diet change, it is miraculous to see the effects that it can have, and then that just makes everybody else want to want to do what they're doing. So anyway, uh, my hat was off to him, and he was wildly successful. He was a very oh, cool that, guy. 
That's a great story. I was just out in L.A., and one of the people that I met there is uh, Frank Ferrante. I don't know if you've run into him, but he's the subject of a documentary called May I Be Frank. He wandered into the Cafe Gratitude in San Francisco about 10 years ago, and there it's kind of a new-agey sort of vegan restaurant, and when you come in, they, they ask you the question of the day, which that day was, and what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And he was this overweight guy, and he said, okay, I guess what I'd really like to do is fall in love again, but who's going to fall in love with this? Well, these three young men that worked there took him under their wing, completely transformed his life in a great many ways, made a documentary out of it, and he looks like a movie star. I mean, he's this totally charismatic, good-looking, super dude, when that was not the person that walked into that restaurant. So there's a lot of magic I, I, in this. I, I have seen that movie, and it is the most amazing transformation of this person. And he's the last person you would think would ever want to do some new agey kind of diet. And, of course, it wasn't a new, new agey diet. It's just throw out the meat and the cheese and the junk and, and do a plant-based diet. So, But you saw him. You saw him in California? Yeah, we hung out actually quite a bit. You know, it's so funny how all these connections are made. And I, I know a woman out there, she's 80 years old. She's not vegan, and she's always been a little bit antagonistic about it. Like, it's so different, and I don't know what to feed you, and blah, blah, blah. She had somehow met him. So that's how we met, and then she ended up having a party and fixing her first vegan meal for 18 people at the age of 80. So it's never too late. Well, that's good. So the next six years of her life will go really well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of later life, a lot of people do not look kindly upon the years ahead because they're so afraid of losing their mental functioning. And you've written a wonderful, wonderful book about this. What's in that book and what's come out since then that we need to know? You know, um, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, my grandpa, whom I, I thought at 60, everyone's old, first of all, because they behaved like they were old. They were kind of doddering around. And uh, my father's father developed quite severe dementia. And then his wife developed dementia. And my um, mother's father was already dead because he had become demented in his 50s. Um, and I think he'd had a premature stroke or something like this. And, and then my maternal grandmother, same story. And so, so you think this is basically a death sentence. If you live long enough, you're going to spend the last decade of your life in a rocking chair not knowing anybody. And when we started to discover that Alzheimer's disease is not related just to getting older or just to genes, that in fact there are tremendously important connections with food, it's the greatest thing in the world because what that means is in the same way as you can plan not to have a heart attack, Nothing is absolute, but on the other, but if you're adopting a plant-based diet, you're not smoking, you're taking good care of yourself, your likelihood of having a heart attack, it's, it's very, very small. And we can start to do the same kind of thing with Alzheimer's. Now, the, the last chapter has not yet been written here, but the research is so powerful. Uh, for me, the, mo the most important data come from Chicago, where back in 1993, a research study got started called the Chicago Health and Aging Project, they found over time that the people who tended to avoid the bad fats, saturated fat, also the trans fats that are in a lot of snack foods and things, the people who avoided those things, their risk of developing Alzheimer's was cut by two-thirds, as much as 80% perhaps. And then if you add exercise, the exercise, I don't know if it's because it oxygenates the brain or why it works, but that seems to cut the risk even further, and then if it's not just getting away from the bad foods and lacing up your sneakers, but putting good foods into your diet, things like sweet potatoes and blueberries, and, and you can make a case for why all these things play a role. But bottom line, that negative image that I had when I was a child has been completely rewritten, and, and now I'm already myself the age that I had forecast to be old, you know, to mean old age. Um, I don't feel that way, and I'm as active as I was when I was 15. So anyway, um, I, I know that life is not forever, um, and good health can sometimes be threatened by all kinds of things, but 
it is astounding to me the power that we have, and food comes number one on the list. That's so exciting because it's really easy to do, and you have control over it. It's super easy to do, and and let's face it, we really don't have a big choice. About once a week, I see a new science report about how a drug that was supposed to conquer Alzheimer's disease didn't really work very well. It showed promise in mice. This is kind of the usual thing, that we are going to ignore the health issues in people and we're going to try to create Alzheimer's in mice or rats or other animals. And then you could try to create a drug that would knock that out. And some, some drugs do seem to show some promise in animals. You then give them to human beings and just one after another, after another Alzheimer's drug has been a real disappointment. And from my standpoint, it really means a couple things. Number one is we shouldn't be abusing animals in this way. Number two, we should be empowering people by studying what is it in people who have remained mentally clear that, that other people can profit from. That's, how, that's really how we conquered heart disease, if I can put it that way. Back in the late 1940s, researchers started tracking people's blood pressure and cholesterol and diet habits and body weight and all these things. And then you discover there are, in fact, risk factors that can be identified for heart disease. And you, you control those things. And then Dean Ornish, who is a medical genius, if ever there was one, back 25 years ago, showed that even if you didn't prevent heart disease, let's say a person has smoked and had a terrible diet and it's later in life, once that person starts a plant-based diet, low-fat, exercising, managing stress, doing all the things that are helpful for the body, it's not just that you can stop the disease from getting worse, it starts getting better. The, the arteries open up again. So anyway, I found this extremely exciting and for I, I talked to a lot of doctors and medical students, and when they suddenly discover they don't just have to build it anymore, but they can actually help people regain their health inside out, it's, it's super empowering for, for the clinicians as well as the patients. I should say so. Now, let me ask you something. A friend of mine was talking with a rather well-known holistic physician who is not vegan, and she said, why not? Look at the Ornish studies. Look at the Esselstyn studies. Look at PCRM studies. Why are you still eating animal products? And he said, if I were to be diagnosed with heart disease, I would go on a plant-based diet. What do we do to get over that hump to say it's not just heart disease, it's your life? Well, the first thing that really should be said is getting diagnosed with heart disease is a whole different thing from having heart disease. If people have heart disease year before they're ever, years before they are ever diagnosed. And we saw this back in wartime, in, in the Vietnam War and before that in the Korean War, when the American soldiers were killed and when they were autopsied. In addition to looking at whatever wounds they had, they would also look at their arteries. And the American kids of 18, 19, 20 had, in many cases, rather advanced coronary artery disease. And it's not just the arteries to the heart, it's also the arteries to the brain, the arteries to the kidneys, the arteries to the lower back. And then researchers went a step further, and at the Bogalusa heart study um, in uh, Louisiana, they, look, they found that in kids as young as 12, 13, 14, you see the beginnings of this. Um, so you don't want to wait until you're diagnosed at 50, 55, 60, or whatever it is. That process has started. And let me blow you away with one, with one more thing, Victoria. Blow me away. Um, this, this summer, we are having the, the International Conference on Nutrition in Medicine, July 31st in Washington, D.C., which, which I hope every clinician, every doctor, every medical student, nurse, uh, physician assistant, dietitian will, will come and attend. And July 31st in Washington. But our very first speaker is from Sydney, Australia. And he did a, a fascinating study where he looked at babies in the very first days of life. And he, he did a, a test, which is a, a Doppler test. It's um, non-invasive, but through ultrasound, you can actually measure how thick the arteries are. The, 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 and a thickened artery wall is a sign of be, the beginnings of heart disease. And what he found was that some of these infants seemed to have 
already the, the beginnings of artery thickening. I'm talking about in the first seven days of life. And he thought, you know, how can this be? So he looked back at the mothers. And if the mother was eating unhealthy foods leading up to pregnancy and during pregnancy, and if she was gaining too much weight as a result of a really unhealthy diet, the kids tended to have the beginnings of artery disease in utero. Wow. So what I am saying is the heart, a heart attack that hits you at 60 did not start when you were 59 and a half. It didn't start when you were 50. It might have even started with what your mother was feeding you when you were in gestation. Now, lest anyone thinks that that means I'm doomed, there's nothing I can do. Well, think back to Ornish. Dr. Ornish's work showed it really didn't matter how unhealthy you had been or how old you were. No, regardless of those kinds of variables, if you change your diet enough, if you change your lifestyle enough, and this, this does not mean take the skin off your chicken or eat fish instead of beef. This means get the animal products off your plate. It means really following a healthful lifestyle those arteries start to heal in the very same way that your skin will heal from a cut or a burn. You're, 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 you, you will heal. Your arteries have a healing capacity as well, which they never get to exercise simply because we never stop the assault. If you never stop cutting your hand, your hand will never heal. Your skin will never heal. If you never stop spraying your arteries with cholesterol particles, they will never heal. But if we change that, they can heal. And, of course, that makes sense that our body will heal, but it's, it's really true, and we can put it to work. Wow, that is so exciting. This, I actually need a break just to let that sort of sink in. And we'll be back. We'll talk about Little Rock and ex-vegans and getting started, and maybe somebody has a new medical center in the wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. If I have a little bit of lilting laughter in my voice, it's because our wonderful engineer out there at Unity Online Radio in Missouri was counting down the break time with those funny kind of hand signals like the catcher uses in baseball. 
I have never played baseball, so I wasn't quite getting it, but here we are talking again, so I would say all is well. I'm speaking, of course, with Dr. Neil Barnard. You can find out all about him at pcrm.org. That's Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, one of my favorite organizations in all the world. They do Millions of wonderful things. I love their periodical, their magazine, Good Medicine. They also have the coolest thing that happens a few times a year, and that's called the Kickstart Program. So that if you're looking to go vegan or go vegan again, because we know some people kind of do it and then kind of undo it, and we're always happy to have you back, you can check out the Kickstart Program. You want to tell us a little bit more about that, Neil? Sure. Um, this really started because we had groups here in our office of people who they had extra weight or they might have had diabetes or they just weren't feeling right. And so we would say, okay, let's make a big diet change, but just for a short period of time, three weeks. Let's go vegan for 21 days. And so we would have classes and a lot of support, and it was really miraculous. And then we thought, well, there are a whole lot more people than we can fit in this room who want to do this. So we did it online. And you go to our website, which is pcrm.org, and you put in your email address, and then it starts fresh every month, actually. Uh, maybe five days before the month starts, you'll get an email from Alicia Silverstone, and I'm not making this up, and she will say, here's how I stay healthy, and here are some menus and recipes and cooking videos. And the next day you get another email from another celebrity or, or health coach um, or an athlete, inviting you to try their menus and their recipes. And there is a message board so that people can share questions and information back and forth. And for people in healthcare, it's a cool thing because it is in English, in Spanish, in Mandarin. We have a Japanese program. And then there's one for people from the Indian subcontinent. It's, it's English language, but it's all Indian recipes, Indian ingredients. Uh, we've had more than 400,000 people have done this program, and so it's, it's a cool thing and totally free. There's no commercial sponsorship, so that's it's at pcrm.org, and you'll see the Kickstart right there. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, it, it's and people love it. I know people who are dedicated vegans. They've been doing this for a few years, and they do the Kickstart just because they want the information. Well, you so can you, do the English one, and then you can do the Indian one, and then if you want to work on your Mandarin, <laughs> you can do that. Good plan. Now, what about ex-vegans? I just think this is one of the biggest topics in, in the whole plant-based community. We get these people and they say, well, this is great. I feel wonderful. And then all of a sudden, I crave eggs. I feel weak. I got pregnant. My daughter doctor says, blah, blah, blah. What do we do to keep people in the fold? Um, well, I have to say, I don't worry about it too, too much, simply because that happens with almost every kind of habit, particularly things that are a little bit addictive. So there, w there was never a smoker who just quit and that was it. They, they all sort of fail and they go back and they, f and they sort of stutter into it. And you see this with alcohol too, that people have a lapse and they're, they're on the wagon and then they're off and, and back and forth and back and forth. And so it's, it should be no surprise that you see it with food because food is ubiquitous. You know, nowadays it's pretty easy to be a non-smoker. If you live in a building where smoking's not allowed and you work somewhere where smoking's not allowed and it's not allowed on the metro back and forth. So, so it's, it's become easier to be a non-smoker, but, but we are surrounded by people who are in love with every kind of unhealthy food. So it, it's no surprise that some people get lured away. However, um, our job really as health providers and people with information for, is to make sure that that information is available. And I, I try not to be judgmental about these things. If a person's goofed up, okay, in, in kind of the same way as a person who smokes cigarettes. On the one hand, they, they're really glad to light up again after they quit. They, they feel good inhaling that smoke, but then they realize, I can't do this. This is going to kill me. And they, they finally break free, and then it, sooner or later it does come, become forever. And, and I, I think that's a very common feeling. Well, that, that was my history, I have to say. So um, glad, glad to hear that we're going to get more people in the end, even those who fall away. Now, you were just in Little Rock doing something cool down there. What was that? Yes, we've picked a 
number of cities uh, around the U.S. where we're using them as kind of a laboratory for not just individual change, but really for, I guess I just want to say cultural change. So what we did is we worked first with the local hospitals, and I went and I gave talks to the doctors and nurses and other caregivers at several local hospitals and also the medical school. And we worked with local restaurants and said, why not highlight the vegan options that you have and the sticker on your window? So we got the doctors talking about it. We got the, the restaurants involved. Then we worked with the local newspaper and TV stations so that I was on TV. And, and there are a couple of local doctors there who are just wonderful. Um, Christy Beck is an OBGYN who adopted a plant-based diet a number of years ago, lost maybe 20 pounds, thought, this is good. And she then convinced her husband, Jason, to do the same. Jason is a radiologist who was overweight all of his life. Uh, I'm, t I'm talking about childhood, teen years, adulthood. He went on a plant-based diet, and you would not know the guy. He lost 70 pounds. He is trim. And his energy level went up, and he thought he wanted to try athletics, and now he's become this like regular, just loves running, and all. it's an amazing transformation. So they are very involved in pumping this up. And then the, the crowning thing was that we had a showing of Forks Over Knives at the local movie theater. Uh, which Brian Wendell, the uh, producer, gave us for free. Thank you, Brian. Uh, we had 300-plus people show up, and they just really were really totally pumped up. So uh, that's important because Arkansas is kind of the bottom of many health statistics. It's not a healthy area in most respects, but you can, you can change that with, with the diet change, and you can change the culture. So that's what we did. We just This was just last week, and we were really, really excited to see the results. That is exciting. And you can also let President Clinton know about that, help keep him on the straight and narrow if they're doing well, it out I there in his I homeland. Think, uh, well, what? I am sure he is. He, I am sure he is thrilled because, you know, when, when President Clinton went vegan, people said, well, he had to because he had heart disease, but he does look awfully good. He's lost a lot of weight now uh, on his new healthy diet and so forth, and then Al Gore did the same thing. Um, but kind of the folks back home might have wondered, um, is this going too far? Well, now I think a lot of people are catching up with President Clinton, and I'm glad to see it. That's great. I love it. I love it that it's so national and international. I love finding a vegetarian restaurant on the highway somewhere, just off the highway. You go to happycow.net and it's just amazing where everything is happening and it's good and lots of it is thanks to you actually. Now, with uh, apologies for backtracking, I did just get a question for you via email. I think sometimes people listen at work and they can't call in, but they can email me a question. So the question is, Dr. Barnard mentioned someone having died of dementia. How does dementia affect the body? Oof. Well, dementia, well, okay, it's a terrific question. Um, and I'm not going to do it justice in the time we have. But the, the first thing I should say is dementia is a general word. There are many different kinds. Dementia just means the, the loss of your cognitive processes. So your memory is not good, and your ability to solve problems isn't good, and your ability to form sentences isn't good. That, that's all dementia. It can be caused by a stroke, or it could be caused by Alzheimer's disease, and there are many other forms too. But as it occurs, it can affect you in ways that aren't limited to the brain. And the, the body's control mechanisms start to... Uh, to, to be altered, but the, the big the big changes and the changes we are most concerned about are those that occur in the brain. The problem that we are, or I don't know if this is a problem so much as it is an observation, is that we're discovering that the same things that affect the heart also affect the brain. So if if you eat bad fats that raise your cholesterol that that attack the heart, those very same things attack the brain. If you smoke and that attacks the heart, it also attacks the brain. It makes you more likely to develop Alzheimer's. If you have diabetes, that attacks the heart. It also attacks the brain. So if you turn that around, it means that something that is good for your heart is also likely to be good for your brain. So what would that be? 
throwing out the cigarettes, throwing out the meat and animal products, lacing up your sneakers and getting exercise. And all of these things help the, the whole body. So we no longer look at dementia as just a brain problem. It's a symptom of problems that can occur elsewhere in the body as well, particularly the heart and blood vessels. Ah, thank you so much, and thanks, listener, for the question. So, Neil, there's something very special happening around Washington, D.C., and I know it's too early to say a whole lot, but can you say something? Do you mean our new medical center that we're That's starting? what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're starting later this year, but, but I have to say, um, you might be able to hear it slightly in the background as there are air hammers going. We are starting a new medical center here. Our office, uh, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, our office is here on Wisconsin Avenue. We've been here since the 80s. And uh, we have seen a lot of people come through, but it's always been a, a part of a research study. And, so, and many people would say, well, I don't, you know, if I have diabetes or I want to lose weight or I just want a healthy doctor to talk to, um, why can't I come there? So we finally decided that we were going to do this. And we have hired uh, we're starting small. We've got two doctors and a nurse practitioner and two dietitians and some other staffers. And we're going to be opening our doors a little bit later in, in this calendar year. And medical students uh, will be coming through. And here is my hope. My, my hope is not just that we'll have competent medical care. But my, my hope really is this. Right now, if you see a physician and you say, I've got heart disease. The standard treatment is a statin drug, for example. And then you, well, could I do it with diet? Well, how about a plant-based diet? That's sort of alternative medicine. I want to switch that around. So if it's a food-related problem like heart disease or, or weight problems or blood pressure or diabetes, let's tackle it with food. That should be conventional medicine. And if you need a prescription like a statin drug or metformin for your diabetes or something for your blood pressure, fine, you can add that. But drugs should be considered alternative medicine. So right now it's the opposite. If you're going to really tackle the cause, we consider that somehow alternative. Uh-uh. That's got to be front and center. That has to be conventional. And that is our goal, is to model a new kind of medicine and see how far we can take it. Well, I wish you every success with that. And may you clone them. <laughs> and franchise them and do whatever it takes to get them in every city in this country. You said two very tweetable phrases as you were speaking. You said drugs should be alternative medicine. That's great. And you also said if you just want a healthy doctor to talk to. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes this is contagious. If one of your friends gets healthy, you start to get healthier. So why not have a healthy doctor to talk to? I love that. Well, well, it, it, it is true. I got to say, when I was in medical school, we had terrible diet habits and we all smoked cigarettes and, and, and we were horrible role models. And many people will see a doctor and they say, I don't really want your diet advice because it's not working for you. And as, as it may hurt to hear that. But my feeling is we want doctors to walk the walk as well as they can. Now, let's, let's be serious. This is real life. Nobody's perfect, but we really want to do our very best as doctors, nurses, dietitians, whoever, to be in a healthy body or as healthy as you can, follow a healthy diet, have healthy habits, and live it and breathe it, for, really for two reasons. One is that's the way you got credibility. The other reason is if you haven't tried it, you're not really going to teach it very well. Um, and if you have done a plant-based diet yourself, then you can answer the questions that, a, that the patient has. Like, what do you do when you travel? What if it's Thanksgiving? Well, because you've gone through that yourself. You're much, much more effective. In the same way as, oh, 20 years ago, uh, it was clear that doctors who hadn't quit smoking, they were like terrible advocates for, for non-smoking. Nobody would trust them. They had yellowed fingers and you could smell it on them and they, they just didn't have any credibility. So, so that's the idea. You want your doctor to radiate health as much as possible. Now, doctors get sick too. Uh, but you want to be you, you want to walk the walk if you can. Well, amen to that. And I know that you've been doing that for a really long time, and not just about health. I know we talked today all about all these incredible health advances and things that people can do in a very simple way to hedge their own bets very very well against getting these dread diseases. But you're an animal guy, and you've been in this for the animals from the very beginning, and. 
I just commend you for that so much. And I think about in your aura, there must be so many little mice and rats and rabbits and guinea pigs and dogs saying, thank you, Dr. Barnard. Well, I don't know. I I have to say I'm sort of making up for a lifetime that was in the other direction. I grew up in North Dakota. Uh, My extended family raised cattle. I hunted as a child. And one day I was in medical school, and they said next week is dog lab. And we all knew what that meant, which is we were going to put a dog on the table. This is our first patient, basically. We're going to tape him down, give him drugs, and kill him. Uh, Before the afternoon was over, that animal was going to be in a trash bag to be thrown out with the garbage. And I walked up to the front, and I said, I'm not doing that. And just as the instructor was about to tell me that it was required, another student said, well, he's not doing it. I'm not doing it either. And suddenly we had a movement (laughs) that we weren't going to kill this poor dog. And um, this required lab became optional. And then they got rid of it. And I, I just, around that time, just did a major rethink. Why should animals suffer for, for these things? Why not think about things in a different way? And well, we made you, some pretty, pretty good progress, but we've got a ways to go. Well, um, join PCRM. Uh, you'll get your subscription to Good Medicine. You will read all the updates about um, how animal experimentation is becoming a thing of the past and how eating plants is the wave of the very healthy present and future. Thank you so much, Neil. You are fabulous. And everybody well, else, <laughs> join us next week. We have Marco Borges, who is a celebrity trainer. He was the one who got Beyonce to do that 21 Days of Veganism. And Dr. Barnard has just told us that sometimes when people do a little bit, they come back and do more. So hooray for that. Thanks so much, Dr. Barnard. Thank you, Victoria. All the best, everybody. God Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. 
Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as a destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.